Hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn more from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. I'm thrilled for today's guest, an entrepreneur who has been a crucial piece of building the Vaynerchuk empire of businesses that include VaynerMedia, Vayner Sports, VFriends, and now Vayner NFT. The Vayner brands, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, were all built from the ground up by AJ and his brother Gary during the internet era that we now refer to as Web 2.0, and they continue to innovate in the evolution of Web 3.0 every day. AJ Vaynerchuk, welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited for you to take a second and join us. So I always start with the same question on our show, which is just to explain your journey into crypto. You're a bit of an OG compared to some of the guests I've had. So I'm really interested to hear how you first dipped your toes into the water and then how you became immersed into the space. Yeah. So really, when it comes to crypto, it starts with the fact, I think you can start it with a conference called South by Southwest Interactive. Uh, One of the best decisions I ever made um, in business was to carve out the time to attend that show. I even, I think my senior year of college, I skipped spring break. You know, I had friends going down to Miami and I went to Austin, Texas instead to attend that conference. And, you know, that, that conference still today holds a lot of juice, but I think in the late two thousands and the early teens, the convergence of smart people in the world of business and technology was unmatched. You know, mid-March was a very important time. And I always made sure I could make my way down there. I think I went like seven or eight years in a row. And so in 2013, um, you know, Gary would always get a group together late at night. And we would always get a nice just group of smart innovators and entrepreneurs in the space. You know, some people that have gone were some of the staples were guys like Travis Kalanick, mm-hmm. um, Melody McCluskey, Chris Saka, uh, Matt Mazio. So we, we, we always had, you know, a core group and then we would, Dave Morin and Britt Morin were two others and we always had a core group and then we would always add in others. And in 2013, Bitcoin came up and it was the first time I heard of it. And I'll be honest, I didn't totally understand it that night, but kind of made the idea of like, you know what? I think Bitcoin was at like $240 a coin at that point when I first bought it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take an angel investment type check, throw it at Bitcoin and learn more as we go, yada, yada, yada. So that's when I bought Bitcoin. Then literally the following year, um, I remember pretty well, a friend of ours, Aaron Battalion, who at the time was the co-founder of Living Social, which was a big deal today website. Um, I think more recently he's, been, he's a uh, an investor of VC at Lightspeed. He brought up Ethereum. I did the same thing. I didn't really fully understand Ethereum like I do today, but I wrote – a small, you know, I bought some when I could. And then in 2015, Gary and I did through our fund, we wrote a check into Coinbase, which ended up being a really good decision. And then kind of fast forward, um, I want to say it was 2018. We did the angel round of roll the virtual currency platform. Mm -hmm. I think most notably whale coin is on there. Um, so we did that angel round and we were always fascinated by virtual currency, but really, the hyperdrive of my involvement with crypto, I was always kind of interested by it, intrigued by it. Um, I was investing in the space here and there, but really Gary showed me NBA top shot 
at the very beginning of the year, like that first week of January. Mm-hmm. And I saw NBA Top Shot and it really clicked for me and it clicked for him. And then we saw CryptoPunks and, you know, really went down the rabbit hole and, and saw a lot of the people that were doing the innovation in the late 2000s were playing in this sandbox again. You know, you mentioned Web 2.0 at the beginning of the broadcast. A lot of the Web 2.0 players playing in the Web 3.0 area. And I think we just we had that aha moment with crypto. And we said, this is where we feel comfortable. You know, I think our consumer centric perspective, NFTs in particular, um, got us to that place. And we went all in and, you know, we, we started building friends and we raised the fund and we started launching Vayner NFT. And so, yeah, that, that January, February timeframe this year was when we were all in. Yeah, and you guys have been so busy um, in 2021. It's been insane what you guys have been up to. I mean, it's almost like you, you know, your light bulb clicked. You know, you found your, mm, you found your area in the space where you can build, and you guys just yes. went full throttle into it. And I've yes. loved everything that you guys have been working on. I know it's going to be here to stay. So going back to like those early days, because I've I was tracking crypto in those early days as well, but I didn't jump in. I didn't get invested like you, uh, like you did. Was it just what was the what was the factor that just like pulled you in that intrigued you? Was it the peer to peer network um, of the technology? What really fascinated you with crypto when you first started? You know, with Bitcoin, it was a few things. One, um, I've always been fascinated by the digitization of currency. So mm-hmm. one of my most successful early investments is that Gary and I did the seed round of Venmo, mm-hmm. um, and so. That was, I mean, when I first saw Venmo, when uh, when Ikram and Cortina showed me Venmo and me and Gary the Venmo for the first time, it was actually SMS based, where literally they were texting each other money and then they eventually built the app after they raised the funds and everything. But I just, you know, I just thought exchanging cash was stupid and I thought credit cards, you know, could work from person to business, but not so much person to person. And then so with Bitcoin, you know, I liked the the centralization of the currency in terms of it didn't matter about U.S. dollar or euro or rubles or pesos. I like that piece of it. Um, like I said, I've done really well. Um, I know what I know, and I, I take a lot of pride in being able to listen to others in areas that I don't know as well. And I really just made a bet that these people that I really respect and believe in had conviction by it. And it was, you know, I took a calculated risk, and it, I thought there was a good chance that that calculated risk would return on it. And you know, I had success in prior years. You know, I started investing in 2010 and, you know, two of my first five investments were Uber and Venmo. So I had early stage success with investing and I just felt comfortable based on all those factors combined. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that too. I really appreciate kind of hearing um, like what, what some of the OGs saw in the space, because now you guys have really kind of turned into the future development of um, crypto and technology and the web 3.0 and kind of where that's headed. Can you, if you um, had to explain to someone that really doesn't understand the power of what's happening with like digital technology, blockchain technology, and you had to explain like, what is this evolution into like web 3.0? What is a web 3.0? What's that even mean? You saw, and the reason I ask you this is because you guys kind of saw like how web 2.0 was going to start before everyone else, right? You, you you know, you kind of saw the power of Venmo before other people did. So what is it? What is web 3.0 looking like, like five years down the road? What's society kind of look like um, with this technology? So it's funny. Web 3.0 gives me the same vibe as web 2.0, I guess. That makes sense if you're looking at it logically, but it stems from the same instance of 
I'm really fascinated and I've always enjoyed and believed in the idea that there's a bunch of shit that we do in our society that should be improved upon and technology is a great way to do it. So for example, you know, Venmo, what I liked about Venmo is I thought exchanging cash between friends was stupid because exact change and this and the other thing. And, Oh, I thought I gave you 20 bucks. Oh, I don't remember. Like the idea of that all being digitized and done in the phone, whether it was via text or an app made a ton of sense for me and just made me believe that things would be better. Like I remember at the time, you know, I was 22 or 23. I was living with two roommates and splitting like cable bills and phone bills. And it was just stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what Venmo served. And same thing with, uh, I spent a summer in San Francisco and getting a taxi in San Francisco in 2008 was stupid. And so the idea of like, Hey, just open up your phone, tell a car that you're here and you want to go there and you'll pay for it. That sounds just like a real improvement. And so now jumping back to web three O. I think there's a lot of things that we do still that Web 3.0 can solve. So, for example, um, Michael Arrington, um, the founding editor of TechCrunch. Um, sorry, I just got a text. Um, they, they, um, he partnered up with a platform and they sold one of his apartments in like Kiev, right? Like the idea that a deed to a house needs to exist on paper and we need to use legal residential attorneys and yada, 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 yada. Like that, that just is stupid to me. And I think the blockchain can solve it. So it all centered around the blockchain. I think loyalty programs, um, I think being on the blockchain makes a ton more sense. I think uh, live event tickets on the blockchain make a lot more sense. Like there's an entire industry of people that collect tickets, um, you know, and they keep the stubs and, it would be so much tighter and neater if that was saved and attributed within a wallet, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And so I just think it's going to be the same thing where um, it'll be much, much better if we utilize the blockchain as a technology to replace some of the archaic paper trail ways we go about business today. Yeah. And I know you work a lot in Vayner, the Vayner sports uh, segment of things. And so with, and I'm, I, I'm going to pull some of these questions out that I wanted to ask you about, oh man, college athletes finally getting more representation, having more of a platform. It just seems like there's a parallel with crypto um, in kind of the narrative of society of like, it doesn't like there's more representation on a broader scale. Right. Um, And so one question I do want to ask you is like, in terms of like that web 3.0, do you see you know, uh, management contracts and, and contracts with like these athletes, um, going into, um, the blockchain as well. And have you had athletes already asking to be like paid in crypto and things like that? Uh, I love that. I think it's going to take some time, mm-hmm. um, just cause you're talking about, you know, multiple billion dollar organizations operating within a multi-billion dollar industry. So it's going to take some time. Um, but I do think that's feasible. I think that's awesome. I'm all about that. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen the next day. Um, as far as clients asking me to be paid about it, you know, there's been some examples of it. I think Russell Okun, who's a football player, did it. I think Saquon Barkley just put out something saying that his endorsement deals will be all paid in Bitcoin or mm-hmm. something like that. So I think that's a, that's a trend, and I think that's moving forward. And um, I think the state of currency in general is very much in flux and is a fascinating thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. I want to talk about Vayner Media a little bit, kind of the original, the OG, the organic growth of this. Um, there's a lot of people that are coming into the NFT space or coming into crypto. And um, 
we saw it in 2018 with the ICO movement. Um, you know, a lot of people got burned. People want to get rich fit fast. They want success fast. So I would, I would love, because I think sometimes we kind of have these, uh, you know, we have these shades on that just is not a, like, is not a real, um, is not reality. And so I want you to speak kind of on the grind that Gary and you went through building out some of these platforms originally back in the day. Um, the, you know, maybe you can even talk about some of the failures or struggles early on that you guys had to overcome to get to where you're at to help people realize this is not something that is built overnight. Yeah, I mean, I think something that Gary and I always ascribe to is patience and big picture and brand. Um, we're not the get rich quick types. I think that's definitely um, a place where people fail and run into issues is if they're short-sighted, greedy in the in the short term and, and quick buck type mentality. Um, you know, I think just stacking wins on top of one another is the way to go about it. Again, I think human nature likes to find the shortcut. And in my opinion, when it comes to business, um, shortcuts can be compromising. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously I got to separate it a little bit just because my brother's his own individual and he's had a ton of success from his own like personal brand, for example. But when I think about my career in business, um, you know, a good example is in 2009, a lot of my peers, you know, kids in their early twenties were, were launching startups with ideas on a napkin and raising two to $3 million of venture capital. And they were being celebrated for it. And I was over here building a very boring service-based business, but <laughs> I had, I had this big picture that, you know, VaynerMedia could become this consistent platform for all business. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're not trying to raise capital for VaynerMedia and sell it or take it public or anything like that quickly. We thought that, you know, marketing is a foundational aspect of business and we we're marketers and we understand marketing. And if we built a company that could be foundational, we could then spread our wings and do other types of businesses. And, and fortunately for us, I think that's come true. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely been advantageous to anything that we've ever done. And it's one of those things where I'm really proud that my first business has like the flexibility and the malleability to bring synergy and value to anything that I do in my career. I think that's a major plus up, but it took, you know, a few years of, we spent the first few years trying to convince people that Facebook and Twitter mattered, let alone VaynerMedia mattered. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of skepticism in the boardroom when you had a 63 year old COO or COO or chief creative officer, you know, who looks at Twitter as that thing that people just tell you what they're having for lunch on or Facebook's that place where their college aged daughter, son, niece, nephew just went on there to find boys or girls. And so those first two years, our growth rate was pretty slow and it was because we were just so far ahead of where the industry was ready for. Uh, but at the same token, our patience, our conviction was rewarded because once brands were ready to go, so were we. And we were able to kind of have rocket growth from there. Yeah. Well, one thing that I, I kind of hear you keep coming back to is the vision. Like you didn't, you you look deeper into projects in, in terms of your growth as a company. You're looking um, in terms of small goals that you're reaching every day to, to reach the success that you have. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I love to hear about is kind of like when you're looking at a new project to potentially invest in, there's a lot of new investors and collectors for NFTs out there. And um, I'm afraid and I don't want to see a lot of people get burned like in 2018. Yeah. And we hurt a lot of people in the space because they just are like, wow, I lost so much money and they feel like it's yeah. gambling. So is there any um, is there any sort of 
um, advice with without naming a, a, any brands or any any sort of like financial advice. But in terms of when you're going and researching a project or an NFT or a cryptocurrency, what are some things that you guys looked at back in the day when with Web 2.0 with like Venmo um, when you were like evaluating projects? Yeah, I think team is super important. I like to bet on the jockey, not the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, companies pivot, right? Twitter came from a podcasting company. Um, Slack was born from a failed video game startup. And so I think team over idea is important. But when you do get to the idea, I like the ideas to be disruptive and meaningful. I'm, I'm a big bet. I like to bet on disruption. I think that's important. Um, it's something I gravitate to. Um, one little litmus I like is I like to always be ahead of the curve. And so I've got a, a real network of quote unquote normal friends. And so I like running ideas and startups off them and getting their reaction. And usually the more, the more, um, what's the right word? The bigger reaction I get, the better. And even if it's negative, right? I mean, I, I'll use Uber and Venmo again, just to keep it easy, but I got huge negative reactions from my quote unquote normal friends and family on both those ideas. But that's what I kind of gravitated to. Like I said, disruption and, and something that's so far ahead, that's important to me. And so those are a few of the key aspects of it. When I, when I think about like NFT projects, um, again, founding team, um, partly aesthetic, but not all the way when, um, you know, I think something I ask myself is why, like why this project, not just because it's doing well on crypto slam and other people are buying it, but like, what is the lens at which that makes me feel like this can be successful and sustainable for years to come, not weeks to come. So that's another piece of it. Yeah. And I, um, I can imagine you talking to your quote unquote normal friends about NFTs and buying a, a digital JPEG image um, and how that how that conversation went um, in the beginning. And you hear a lot more of it in the media and kind of this like narrative around um, what digital art looks like and where it's heading. Um, I think you probably see an you know, beyond that, right? And I think some, I think it's becoming more of a narrative. I think it's going to continue to grow as a narrative. But one thing that's really important to talk about is kind of um, what this technology of like digital art and like the power that it harnesses for um, the community in general when it's used right. Like you said, you always have to have the right actors behind the technology. But if you can just, uh, maybe you can even use VFriends as an example of when you have a, um, a vfriend nft what are some other interesting utility applications that can come into play and you don't have to give direct examples of what you guys are working on but just like what can an nft allow you to do sure go ahead sure yeah so i won't speak to vfriend specifically just because i want to be mindful that you know yeah. one i'm just a contributor to that project like yes i was involved at the inception and yes i provided some strategy and consult but I don't work on it day to day and you know, it's my brother's project and his brother's brand. So I want to be respectful to their roadmap and their plans, but I'll, I'll speak broadly and I'm sure part of what I'll say will, you know, be tied back to VFriends and what VFriends does. But you know, one is one thing that I really love about NFTs and the blockchain in general is that the idea that NFTs can build on one another. So, you know, one example is you can look at what Larva Labs did and what Board Ape Yacht Club did where you know, if you own an NFT, you get an NFT as an example, right? So um, something I think a lot about is like, you know, talk about sports teams, for example, 
you know, or concerts, for example, let's use concerts. Like if there's an artist that you are obsessed with, like, um, who's a fan, Kanye West, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a Kanye West fan, you always make an effort to see his concerts every few years, right? You go to one concert and you get a badge, you know, something that I, I, we've tinkered around with and I'm a fan of is, um, is uh Pope P O A P. Yeah. And right. And it's like the proof of attendance protocol concept where I went to one of Kanye's concerts. Cool. I went, and then I went to another one of his concerts, another one of concerts. Imagine if like using the blockchain, I could get a preference on seating or early mm. access to tickets based on my, my actual experience of going to other conferences, right? Like that loyalty aspect on the blockchain and how it intersects with commerce, I think is really interesting. Um, you know, uh, an artist can say, Hey, this person's been to 10 of my concerts. Let's send every person that's ever been to 10 or more concerts of mine, my next single early yeah. or a gift or this or the other thing, right? Like, I think that's another incredible aspect of it. Um, you know, V friends plays on the access angle that that's also, I think, interesting and an opportunity. So, um, I just think the power of data being on the blockchain and being able to represent physically in a way that is art or collectibles or data or information, I think really crushes however that type of information has been stored and valued in the past. Yeah, and we see, I, ha I had Micah Johnson on the show mm -hmm. um, the other day, and we were talking about Aku's world, and he, he yeah. kind of slipped it in, and I don't think people understand just the power of it, but like, he was talking about how when this Aku token comes out, you know, when it when the premiere of the movie comes out, it's going to be the community members that are there. It's not just, yeah. you know, A-list celebrities, and that's, yep. that's huge. I mean, and I don't think people understand just kind of the the ability to give you access to certain things because yep. of this technology. It allows a different audience base. It's not just who you know. It's um, you. It's almost like kind of, I mean, that pay to play, like you can get in and being crypto native and being so early in this space, if you're in this Twitter spaces live right now, like you are early, you are a pioneer and you have access to a lot of different things. But like you said, you've got to like hearing him talk about that, like getting to know people and the teams that are behind them and what their big plans are can really help give you a grasp on like the kind of success they're going to have. Absolutely. So yeah, no, Micah's great. Micah and I, we haven't met in person, but we've done a zoom and have been in touch. Um, small world. He was actually teammates when he was in, uh, an active baseball player with one of our clients, Justin Turner, and that's how we got connected. So, oh, crazy! Always, always fun when my sports and NFT worlds collide. Right. Okay. I want to. Um, I want to respect your time. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, sure. and then we'll take um, some audience members. So, um, one thing I really wanted to touch on is family, because I know how important family is to you, you guys, and what you've come from. Um, I'd love for you before I ask this question, just to kind of for people that don't know your background and like and and how far your family has come um, from moving to America, if you could just kind of explain um, your backstory. Yeah, I mean, really, this is me more so explaining like my my parents and and what they came from. Um, you know, I was born here, but both my parents were born in the former Soviet Union, um, what is today known as Belarus, a small city in Belarus, and. They came to America in their early 20s. Um, Gary was actually three years old, and my sister was born shortly after coming to America. And then I came about seven years after that. But uh, yeah, I mean, came to this country with no language and no money. My dad worked a bunch of different jobs to make it work, and my mom took care of the kids. And, you know, real American dream type situation where they start off in Queens, New York, and 
they saved up enough money and, and built a life for ourselves. And, you know, we eventually moved out to New Jersey where I ended up growing up and my dad really built himself up and built his career up and eventually went on to own um, a wine retail company called Wine Library. Um, Gary being, you know, the firstborn of an immigrant family started working early and partnered up with my dad and helped take that business online and really grew it to a national brand and a national company. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the foundation that really, that I was so lucky to be born into, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I didn't experience a lot of those struggles. By the time I came around, my family was pretty entrenched in America and, and stable and relatively comfortable, but, uh, I'm just so thankful to my parents for, you know, taking the leap of faith to move to a different country and, and find a better life for, you know, themselves and their family. So it's uh it's pretty incredible stuff and all the credit to my parents for that. That's awesome. And for people that are in business with family, is there any advice that you can give? Um, like what's a healthy personal professional balance? I'm sure not every day is amazing with you and your brother, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, your blood and your family. Um, and I'm sure it's just amazing to be able to work alongside with each other as you grow these brands. So what is, is there any sort of like, how's that balance work? It's it's one that um that's always evolving. I think the most important thing is communication. You got to be honest with one another. Um, honesty and transparency is so imperative because I think letting things bottle up or putting on a facade will eventually blow up in your face. And blow ups aren't good for relationships. Yeah. Um, I think the other one is to not allow money to play a role. I think money is something that you hear about tearing family apart. And so I think Gary and I do both a really nice job of of putting money really towards the very bottom of the list of, of important issues and important items as it relates to us. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we're really blessed that, you know, our DNA and our personality traits are more complementary. Um, I think the age gap where we benefit from, I don't know if we were two years apart, it would be as smooth. I think having that 11 year gap is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, our personalities are 95% the same, 5% different. And I think that makes us more complimentary as opposed to stepping on each other's toes or butting heads. So does Gary, I think there's a lot of things that need to happen for it to be good. Does Gary like the spotlight more than you? Definitely. <laughs> no, he does. Are he you does. okay and with I, the, think, are you okay with like that backseat? Like I'm, I'm going to do the work in the background. I don't really need to be on stage all the time. A hundred percent. And then the other thing too is like, yes, we're business partners. We do so much together. But there's also so much we do individually as well. And so for me, it's like, my brother puts in the work to like, I didn't do anything for his books. I don't go with him when he publicly speaks. I don't mm-hmm. help him create his videos. And so, so much of his success is so entirely on the merit of what he did. And I had nothing to do with that. It's impossible for there to be any sort of jealousy or resentment or anything like that. And so I think that's a good example of why we're so complimentary and good in that way. Yeah. All right, AJ. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. It's time to go ahead and move in to some um, audience questions. If you guys have a question for AJ, we're going to take uh, maybe about 10 minutes and have some audience members um, come up on stage. Thank you again for tuning into the Crazy About Crypto show. If you're just joining us, you can retweet uh, and so that as many people can hear this last segment where we can um, have the audience actually ask some questions. We're going to start with Mike because he was waiting here during sound check and um, hanging out with me while we were getting ready for the show. So let me put him up here on stage. Oh, 
Hello. Sorry, it was still connecting while I was connecting. Um, uh, no yeah. worries. You're you're on stage now. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for bringing me on stage. And I was looking forward to this uh, interview. I just want to, you know, say to AJ that I really appreciate your story and, you know, uh, specifically how Gary talks about, like, you know, being number one, number two and all that. And your story spe specifically, like taking a step back and, you know, being in the backseat. So my question for you is, you know, like, how were you able to embrace your role, but still pave a way for yourself, especially with with forming Vayner Sports? And second question to that is, when are you going to come out with a book? Because I really want to read your story. <laughs> well, I'll start with the second one. I don't think a book's coming anytime soon. Um, it's not where I want to spend my time or energy, but I'll never say never. Um, and then the first one, I, I kind of alluded to it before. I think the fact that Gary and I had an 11-year age gap was really beneficial for our relationship. Um, he was always not just my brother but and business partner, but also my mentor. You know, By the time I entered the, my career, Gary was already very successful and had proven himself quite a bit. And so I think that was helpful for us. Uh, you know, I think um, there's a lack of ego. I take pride in the fact that I do believe I have um, a low ego and am willing to compromise quite a bit for the greater good and for just overall team success. And, you know, I think that was um, important and helpful for the first, you know, seven years of my career with Vayner um, Media and Vayner X. And then, you know, when I left Vayner Media and thought about what I wanted to do next, a big portion of what I wanted to do centered around me really wanting to be in control of my schedule and what, how I spent my time. And so I think that was a good example where if I really wanted to have that and that was important to me personally, I need to take the bull by the horns and, and go do something where I can lead the charge um, so that I wouldn't harbor any resentment if I was forced to do something I didn't want to do. Or, you know, I, um, I just felt like I had done enough in my career that I could afford myself the opportunity to, to blaze my own trail and, and focus my time and energy on things that I wanted to do. And so I think those first seven years of learning from my brother and spending my 20s building that business with him gave me the confidence and the comfortability and the platform to go ahead and get Vayner Sports off the ground. Thanks for that question, Mike. Hey, do you have a favorite uh, book from your brother? I'll be very honest with you. I've never read any of his books. Hey, that's good. Um, I mean, that's one of those brother answers, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and it has nothing. Like, I would read my brother's books, but I'm not a big reader in general. And I'll be honest, like, I have the luxury of talking to my brother every day. So I don't, <laughs> right. I, I, a lot of the insight that I think is so valuable to people, I've picked up over the last, you know, 30 years of my yeah. life. So I'm very fortunate in that way. So I don't need to, not the most effective use of my time reading those books. Right. That makes sense. All right. We've got Jaden on stage. Jaden, go ahead. Hey, Jay. How's it going? What's up? What's up, Jaden? How are you, man? How you been? I've been, do I've been doing good. Good, good. I don't really have a question at all. I just was. <laughs> Love it. Just, just want to say hello. Just want to yeah. come up and say hi. Thanks so, for uh, thanks for helping me out at the beginning. It of really course, yeah. Um, of course, man. I'm happy to. What Jaden's referring to, you know, Jaden's a young artist, and when this NFT boom was going on, uh, we had a couple of conversations as he was trying to figure out, you know, how to best navigate it. So I appreciate yeah. you saying that, Jaden. I appreciate the thank yeah. you, and it was uh, my pleasure. And I mean, AJ, the same thing goes. I mean, I was one of the early collectors of Jaden. That's actually how you and I met as well, is um, from 
kind of getting to know each other from the relationship you and Jaden have. And yeah, I really absolutely. appreciate you've always been such an open person to chat with. And I appreciate you always have Jaden's a young kid, 15 years old, doing amazing work. And the fact that you're looking out for people, you reach out to them, see if there's any way um, to kind of help protect them and make sure they weren't, um, you know, bombarded by requests and stuff. I know that's that just goes to the nature of this community of like, also, when it comes to making it in the space, you've got to really have the right intentions. And you and your brother both, I mean, you, you care about people. And I think that shows. Well, I appreciate that. I think it stems from gratitude. You know, I, I was really lucky, you know, going back to my brother. I had somebody 11 years older than I am help me along the way. And I think that's actually probably my favorite part about Vayner Sports is a lot of these athletes I work with are, you know, 22, 23. Now with name, image, and likeness, you know, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21. But I'm the same age my brother was when I got going and it's nice to be able to give back. So, um, for sure. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jaden, for coming on stage. Brian, you're on stage. Are you there with us? You can ask a question. Yep. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Um, I'm a, I've been in crypto since 2017. Uh, I wasn't into NFTs until Gary came in. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of V friends. I, I got a couple and I think it's going to change my life. Um, <laughs> love it. And what's that? I said, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, I just been passionate about the space. I actually was uh, the winner of the NFT uh, Dodger ring, the one of one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I flipped, I flipped two of my V friends to get to that, but I still kept my main one. So I'm, I'm actually excited about that. Um, how do you, um, somebody that's so passionate about this space, right? How do, how, how do I get into, you know, the marketing part or being part of a team, knowing that I don't have the marketing experience as far as my resume goes. I've been, I mean, I'm 31 years old. I've owned a construction company. I've never been passionate about it just because, you know, it was a family business and I wanted sure. to, you know, I'm the same thing, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm come from immigrants parents. So my parents gave everything to me. So I just can't, I can't turn my back on them. Right. So, right. um, but how do I find, um, I mean, how do I, I step away from that and, and, and then start finding my passion and, and, and working with teams, you know, like, like Candy Digital or V Friends. Like honestly, my goal is to one day. I got I got uh, dinner with Gary. Well, dinner dear. Oh nice. I'm, yeah. I'm asking. I'm, I'm I'm hoping to ask him for a fucking job. You know what I mean? Marketing <laughs> job or something. Even if I fuck on the bottom, bro. Like I don't even care. I mean, I'm a CEO right now, but right. I want to be. I'm want to be like creating my own legacy, right? And, uh, yeah. and see if I'm able to do it. You know, without you know my parents handing me down a company, which they did, and you know they crashed in 2008. You know, it was the, you know, you know, the economy crashed. So I had to take over. I was 18 years old. I was the only boy wow. in my family, you know, all sisters. So is that, but I'm in a point in my life where I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. And it's like, I love NFT space. I love crypto. And it's like, I see, I know it's such a young space that maybe I'm able to learn from the best. And I'm like, how do I do that? I mean, I, I want to create my, uh, my LinkedIn, but like I said, it's, it has nothing to do with marketing. How do I get a chance? I mean, do I just hit up people like you, Gary and be like, Hey, you got anything to offer? Yeah, I think honestly it does come down to the fact and it sounds like you're willing to start at the bottom, which is important. I think hitting up people and offering your perspective and your advice and your efforts and your time is a great place to start. Transparently, you know, when it comes to, you know, V Friends or, or Candy Digital, you know, taking the context that there's hundreds and thousands of people that are doing the same thing you are. So it's difficult, right, to sort through the noise where we're getting inundated with people asking for jobs or offering to help for free. And so you kind of need to walk up the ladder. You know, you need to find projects that are maybe not at the top of the industry like Candy and Friends are and bring value and put case studies on the board so that when you do reach out to the Friends and the Candy Digital of the future, you can say, hey, 
not only do I want to help, but here's what I did on this project that's in your industry. And here's the value that I brought. And here's what I think I can help you with. That's going to go a longer way. So I think you just really got to work your way up the ladder. Again, I don't want this to come off the wrong way or sound pompous, but because of who my brother is and the success of V friends and, you know, sports as another example, like we get hundreds, if not thousands of people a month asking us to work for free and we can't take them all. Right. So, um, that's, that, that would be my answer to that question. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's crazy to, um, think about kind of where Gary started too with the, the grind of trying to get people. I've um, watched some videos of him talking about how, you know, he would spend 12 hours a day on Twitter, just making sure he commented on every single person who mentioned. So it's like that grind. If you have a passion, if you enjoy it, like Gary did, then you just, you put in the work and you put in the hours and eventually it catches up with you. Like, just like, uh, it's almost like all of the work that he did in web 2.0 has led him to be prepared for this moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People talk about V friends and why it worked. It's because of the previous 15 years mm-hmm. and the community that Gary built, right? Plenty of celebrities launched NFTs. They didn't do tens of millions of dollars in initial sales and tens of millions of dollars, or I don't know if it's tens of millions, but a, a shit ton of secondary market sales, right? Yeah. Like, a huge part of it is what he did from, you know, 2006 to 20. That 15 year period is what, you know, drove the vast majority of VFriends' success, in my opinion. Right. All right, Brian. Great question. I think a lot of people yep. have similar questions like that. So I hope that that helps. It is a grind. And also, I think from my perspective, I'll just speak too. Is like find your niche. You know, find what you're good at. I under I've loved crypto since in, since the early days. I I was an investor in 2017, 18. But it wasn't until I started this show that I've I have something that you know I can build. Um, I, right. I I'm not good with smart contracts, but I get them. I get the power of them. So you know the technology you know the power of it so find what you enjoy doing and and make it relevant to the space and this networking um will continue to help you never be afraid to come on stage and ask questions hey ron i see you're on stage um now go ahead hey thank you so much i appreciate you having me up how's it going aj how's it going also just like brian i'm a fellow v friend so uh, i got pinged in here by the girl with the tattoos i heard her biscuit club Shout out to her. Um, but no, my question to you is what, what this show is about crypto in general is what I assume and, and based on the question. So I was curious what, what your thoughts are on the dip. And do you do you feel like we're, we're in the winter now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm not an expert on markets and, and economics, so I don't know um, how I feel about where we're at. I mean, I, I have overall conviction. And so with that, uh, I'm a buyer for the long term. I'm not a trader. Um, I also feel like despite the dip in things like Bitcoin and Ethereum from a price perspective, I think NFTs have been very healthy um, as a whole. The NFT market is evolving now. There is a lot of you know dilution of it. There's feels like there's projects with 10,000 you know, items in it popping up every day, multiple projects every day. So I do think the NFT industry as a whole has some correcting to do. I think some of the success of some of these projects is not sustainable. And I think you'll see some kind of pop up overnight and disappear quietly. Sure. Um, but overall, um, I won't say we're in the crypto winter. I think there's room to fall. Um, but I'm, per- I'm personally very comfortable 
with where you know prices of currencies are and i think certain things like dogecoin i was not comfortable with some of those prices so um there was definitely a period where you know ethereum was on fire nfts were on fire and those normal friends i talk about were just talking about how oh this stuff's just going to keep going up like we're going to the moon and that scares me i'm actually more scared when things are going well than when things are going poorly right when yeah ethereum was at 4200 and doge was at like 80 cents and people went for 69 million and everybody and their mother was like, Oh, I, I like NFTs. Oh, I want to buy crypto. That was actually the most uncomfortable I've been this entire time. So I'm more comfortable now as things have been kind of steadily, you know, ETH has been in like the 1800 to 2500 range. Like that feels more appropriate. And I'm glad some of the buzz and the excitement is gone. I'm glad that some of the ridiculous NFT sales that were for projects didn't even have meaning to them are done. So, that's uh, that's how I feel about the current state of crypto. Awesome, I appreciate that. And if you wouldn't mind, I, I'd love to plug my own thing here, if that's okay with you guys. Up to the host, uh, Ron. If you don't mind, if you can, I want to make sure we get as many questions as possible. But definitely on the link, if you can go um, where we're live and post it, and we we'll make sure to publicize awesome. it that way. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thank you so much. Appreciate awesome. you. Awesome. Hey, hey, I've got about four more minutes to go, so I'd love to do right. one more. Quickly. Let's do. Let's do one more question. Um, I have Arian. Are you there? Yeah, hey guys. Hey, AJ. Um, I'm hey, a 17 year old kid from India. Um, so um, I've just been trying to reach out to you guys. I was just wondering is Wayne NFT looking for interns or anything? You know, I'm not quite sure. Avery um, from our team is running the show, and, you know, she just got into the saddle. Um, she moved over from Singapore back to the East Coast and the States. And I don't know where we sit on interns right now. Um, but I would uh, I would definitely keep my eyes peeled. I can tell you that we don't have any interns right now. So it's not as if we're filled up or at capacity. But transparently, I'm no longer really day-to-day on Vayner NFT from an operational perspective. That's Avery's house. And so I don't have the answer to that. Sorry. You know, AJ, okay, well, thank, uh, Aaron, thanks for coming on. I think that the, you see a lot of drive in people to just want to make a better life and be able to grow. And to Ron's question that we just heard, too, when it comes to crypto, is like really try to start believing what what is the future? What do you believe in? And get behind that because really dips and um, one thing, it's, it's really hard to... Uh, to go through dips if you're putting your life savings away in right. crypto. So always be careful because you've got to, the way I've always looked at it is, is from a perspective of someone that wants to invest is like, if I can afford to lose that money, that's fine. I need to still be able to pay the bills because crypto is very volatile, but the technology is just developing. I mean, we're not at highs because crypto is never going to go away, you know? So you've got to be able to invest and be able to make sure that you, uh, that you have a plan long term for how you can sustain and not get scared and and get out when the dips and stuff like that because it's a long game and if you're only in it for short term kind of like you were talking about AJ then it just doesn't go well. Agreed. AJ Vaynerchuk, thank you again for coming on the show. I really really appreciate you taking the time. Um you'll next time you chat with Gary, you'll have to let him know to find find uh, my DM from him. I'm trying to get him on the show <laughs> as well. Understood. Awesome. Thanks for having me. AJ, thanks a Take lot. Care, everybody. And appreciate it. Everyone else. Thank you, AJ, everyone. you're the man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Hey, for so Gary, I'm coming for that job. Five, ten years. It might not be this year. It might be five, ten years from now, but I'm coming for it. You let him know. 
Thank you, everyone, from for coming on the show. Really appreciate you. AJ had to run, um, but just a reminder that we are uh, online. If you missed part of the interview, you can check us out at crazyaboutcryptoshow.com, and we'll uh, make sure to post updates, too, when it's live, where you can listen to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back um, actually tomorrow for a special show uh, with Richard from Manifold XYZ to learn about smart contracts. Um, So every episode, we're going to be just diving in and learning more about the crypto world, NFTs. So make sure to hit that follow button and make sure to stay up to date with what what we've got going on. Thanks a lot for tuning in and we'll see you tomorrow.